This is a football show here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And my name is Zach Lyons. You can follow me on Twitter at FWordSpot. Uh, you can also catch his writing where, Zach? BroadwaySportsMedia.com. <laughs> there you go. Great article about quarterbacks, the conundrum that is the quarterback situation in the NFL draft for the Tennessee Titans this season. And, and we are in the month of the draft, so we're going to get to that. Great article by you, Zach, up on the website, Broadway Sports Media. So go check that out if you'd like to follow along. We're going to touch on what the Titans should be doing as it pertains to a quarterback in the first round of the NFL draft. Uh, we're going to have a quick conversation about rivalries because apparently Vanderbilt fans don't think what's happening right now between them and Tennessee is, is a rivalry, which I find uh, to be evidence of the fact that it's a, a rivalry. So we'll discuss that as it pertains to the Titans. Do they have uh, a rival? Can they build a rivalry like that? We'll get into that a little bit later on. Obviously, lots of stadium news trickling out slowly but surely every single week. And uh, we'll give you sort of every question you need to know uh, when it comes to the, the NFL stadium, the Titans, the funding, the resources, the, the motivation. I all- got a lot of questions about this. <laughs> and guess who has the answers? The guy across from me on in virtual world, internet world. <laughs> one day, Zach. Brain gall. One day, one day Zach. Uh, <laughs> We, maybe there's a real table in front of us. Maybe. Yeah, we'll maybe just, we'll, one day. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. And of course, uh, we, we have to address the these bizarro A.J. Brown rumors. So we'll get to that uh, as well. So again, a football show, lots of football conversations here. I uh, hope you guys enjoy. Rate, review, subscribe, click all the buttons that we're asking you to click. Check out the YouTube if you want to watch this interview. It's up every single week on the YouTube channel as well. So make sure you, you check all of that out. Of course, special thanks to our sponsor here on the 440, the Kingston Group. BuildKG.com is the website. Your locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. They've been successful. They're award-winning in Nashville for a reason. Uh, They are the folks you need to know and talk to. When you own a home in this crazy drunken real estate market, they're the folks that can help you make the best possible decision about your home. Even if you don't use them, they're going to be a great resource for you. So go check them out. That's buildkg.com, the Kingston Group. Zach, what the hell is happening with AJ Brown? What's going on? Why is this a thing floating around in the internet? Why? It is a thing floating around the internet because Rich Simony, I guess that's how you pronounce his last name, that writes for ESPN, that covers the New York Jets and has for a long time, put out there there's a possibility that the that these young wide receivers, Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, and AJ Brown could be had for the right price. Well, no shit, Sherlock, and no shit, fans. Anybody could be had for the right price. That there's very few people that cannot be had for the right price. It just depends on how outrageous is the right price. And for A.J. Brown and Debo Samuel, those prices are sky high. I don't think for D.K. Metcalf it's that high because I think that he's a little bit of a head case in Diva. And to be honest, that's who Rich Simony really thinks should be the target for the Jets is D.K. Metcalf. Here's the problem. Jets fans only read what they want to read, and then, of course – We all know Titans fans only want to read what they want to read. So (laughs) they see the tweet by some random Jets account. They see a little graphic made and then they flip out and they start attacking everybody without going and actually reading the article and just ignoring it online. I I mean, I retweeted a couple of people because fans, there's now a small subsection of fans that we're going to talk about on football and other efforts, which should be out at the same time. This is that actually kind of are like to have talked themselves into that trading AJ Brown for the 10th overall pick is actually a good trade. I don't know why they think that other than they have no clue how the salary cap works, but I also have something else to complain about on this. Ooh, I like it. I like it. 
And that this is, is your, really really explore the studio space, Zach. Just there's really going to be a lot of exploring the studio space when Lebowski and I are really diving into the subject because <laughs> he's going to get a little bit more visceral with his descriptions of these uh, fans. Well, but as, these, as, it, as is tradition, yeah. But these fans that have to write these long soliloquies about these players and how much they mean to the Titans and how much they mean to the fans, like there <laughs> there are people Titans players need to take out restraining orders on oh internet Titans fans because it is absolutely ridiculous. People got to get a grip. These guys aren't going to come over to your family barbecue because you <laughs> sent out this long tweet. Like, give me a – I'm just – I'm sick of it from both sides of being attacked from everywhere, Brayden. I'm well, triggered. I don't think I've ever said I'm actually triggered, but I am just <laughs> legit just oh, sick I'm, of it. I'm I'm triggered all the time, but it's not by anything that actually like the internet says is triggering. Like I'm not triggered by any of the stuff that people claim is triggering. Yeah. I'm triggered by other stuff, which is a, right. a me, which is a me problem. Um, I'm triggered by like media stuff. So again, and this kind of is a media thing to me. We are in the middle. This is we are weeks away from the NFL draft. This is must lie season. Every people like and you wrote about this in in your story, and we'll get to the quarterbacks in a second about the 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 Steelers being obsessed with Malik Willis. How do we know? How do we know it's oh, not a total smokescreen? It is just we, isn't. It just isn't. Listen, I can I feel it in my bones. It's must lie situation. Was it a smokescreen with Najee Harris last year? It was. It was no. blatant, yeah, blatant true. that they were going to draft Najee Harris, and it is blatant that if Malik Willis, they are going to try their damn just to get Malik Willis. I I just I just know it. How, I feel it in my hearts. How about this? An affordable bottle of whiskey. Less than $25. Okay. So, like, so like some, some cheap shit. <laughs> Less than $25. Bottle of whiskey that the Steelers are on the clock at 20. They don't pick somebody else. As, it's, Malik Willis has to be there at 20. Right? Malik Willis is there. You, I will buy you a bottle of whiskey if they draft him. I'm I'm calling it that you're that taking the field. I'm taking the field, which again is a probably a bad bet for you. But again, if you're if no. you're willing to if you're willing to stake that's not your bad claim, bet at all. I stake my claim if Malik right. Willis is there at 20. Now, if he's gone before 20. That's off. off. Fair, fair enough. Okay. Um, if they if they Done. trade up to, if if they trade up to get him, do I lose? Yeah, because technically <laughs> they are trading. They're using right, pick, their their pick to get that pick. Fair, fair enough. That that works. That that's that's a valid argument. I will I will say this: if they if they trade back and and get Malik Willis, I, I I'll call that a draw. Okay, draw's good. Then we can just buy each other shots and we'll call it even. It's yeah, fine. There you go. Um. <laughs> all right. So. Uh, it's must lie season. That's number one. And their right. Titans and John Robinson are in the middle of a negotiation, a very large negotiation with said player. So you, like both sides, and this is going to, we're going to get to this with the stadium. There are motives for both sides. AJ Brown wants his value to be higher out in the world than so that he can go to John Robinson and say, look, here's my value. John Robinson wants his value to be as low as possible. And we see this all the time. It doesn't mean they don't love each other. It doesn't mean they don't want to be together. It just means that in the in in public there has to be some weird, bizarro dance of of like lies and negotiation because you're trying to, you've got an agent and a GM trying to come to an agreement and they obviously have their own best interests in there. And in, these article and this article in particular and this rumor this rumor because I don't really consider it a rumor because it's mainly has to do more with the Jets than anything else. The Jets are desperate for a wide receiver. Yeah. They've already given up on Corey Davis apparently. <laughs> like Corey Davis, he's dead to them. And they, he's gone. Like they're they are desperate to trade away draft picks for a young wide receiver that they're willing to pay. Does not mean that the Titans are not willing to pay. And let me say this: one of the points of the article in his in Rich Simony's article is that well, the Titans are up against the cap. 
No, they're not. No team is up against the cap anymore. Where where is yeah, everybody living this dream world? But second off, if the AJ Brown gets an extension, guess what happens to the 2022 cap? It gets better because they actually save 2.4 yeah. or 2.14 million dollars in cap savings with an extension. And on top of that, Julio Jones money still coming. They still got like nine million dollars yeah. coming. Like, whoa. No, no, I'm not Whoa, arguing. Rich, I, I, I would never argue yeah. with you about the cap. That, that, yeah. That's not S- Rich Simonese got to get his head out of his the the build Joe Douglas's <laughs> ass or Joe Banner's ass. Who is who's the uh, yeah you got the it. guy up there? Joe Douglas, Joe, Joe Banner. You got it. Yeah, yeah. Um, get his head out of his ass. So, so I would argue with you about a lot of things, uh, but I'm not sure I'd argue with you about the Titans cap situation. That that's not something I would I would pick a fight with you about. Um, I will say this just to play devil's advocate here, and and nothing to do with the Jets. Forget that. Yeah. But just if I'm in, if I'm working for John Robinson, if I'm John Robinson's right hand man or whatever, and I have, this is the only thing that would give me pause because I, listen, I have AJ Brown as a keeper on my fantasy league. So let's not go like, make sure I'm clearing my throat here. If they have some really interesting medical evidence that there are some, that like the knee is going to deteriorate quickly over the next four to five years. And they think they've got a really, really clear picture of what that could look like in the future i could see them trying to get as much back as humanly possible that's the only scenario to me in which case aj brown is not a titan long term and that and that i think the chances of that are extremely rare yeah it's it's so low that you i i do think it's sort of a good thing to kind of keep in mind is the knee issue but i just don't think it's that big of an issue where you can't pay aj brown I mean, you're talking about a team that has finally found a, a pass catcher, and then you're looking at them, and there's you're already saying they have to draft. A lot of fans have to saying they have to draft a wide receiver in round one. Well, you get rid th- of AJ. Yeah, well, I, I, fans do. It is more of a, a a thing to the fans is they think that wide receiver is a weak spot on this point. You get rid of AJ Brown, guess what? Now you need two wide receivers, right? Now you need three wide receivers. It's just you you're you're compounding the problem and when you don't have to because you're worried about someone else's money, get your hands out yeah. of their pockets. <laughs> get 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 your hands off the wallet. It's, you, they don't they don't need you. It's it's funny money. It's it's yeah. funny money. So we'll get to the quarterback conundrum in your article about that coming up here. Uh, in just a few minutes and some rivalry stuff as, as it pertains to the Titans in the NFL in the city of Nashville. So we still got a lot of stuff uh, to do here on the show, but let's get into the stadium news because of course, everyone's heard the, the Sexton interview from last week and uh, the, the dollars he sort of floated, I would say fairly liberally just floating numbers out there in a radio interview is not exactly a report where like Bill Lee says, here's $500 million and here's what we want in return. So we have a very clear picture of the States 500 million and what the strings are that are attached to that. There's a couple of other questions about that. I mean, obviously the number one biggest question here, Zach is going to be how much do the taxpayers are on the hook for and, and, and uh, like who's spending what and how, so that we kind of, we kind of know that that's the number one question. So we sort of have to put that one to the side, right? Yeah. I, I think that he floated out $700 million, what the city's wanting to put in. We don't know really nobody really knows what that number consists of right i mean you you have some educated guesses Ex- explain to people what could go in to that number and what percentage or what number you think is a realistic number of that 700 million that the city should be concerned about like what's the break you're sure. 
you're a Davidson County resident. I'm not anymore. And where I moved for, out of is they're putting 64 houses on a, a land that should only have three. <laughs> so, so I'm so glad to be out of Davidson County. But as a Davidson County resident, you have concerns and you should have. What What's the breaking point here? Well, and I, I want to be clear, like I... I have my own personal breaking points, my right. own personal opinions about the things that I would value. And, and one of the most important questions is how does the redevelopment actually, who does it benefit? Does it benefit tourism or local communities? That's a really big one that's going to be very important at, down the road a little bit when they actually do settle on a financing plan. Let, let me change it then because I want to talk about that. You know, you talk about tourism and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, this helps with tourism. What, what is your concerns about the benefits in between those two different things you named. So, so there's, man, there's a lot of questions. So there's yeah. two, there's two, largely there have been two different ways for development to help people in, in general, broadly in general, it can help sort of businesses in, in Nashville in particular downtown. It can help businesses. It can help tourism. It can help incentivize building and development for people to come in from out of town and spend dollars in our market, which is how we've largely built our city. We've invested heavy heavily in the downtown, like really downtown area. That's why we have all the buildings and all the hotels and all the tax deferments and benefits that we've given to corporations. It's why Oracle's going in. It's why Amazon, all this stuff, right? It's why Bridgestone is here. All these things that we've done to invest in downtown. How much of that has benefited sort of like the local communities? Well, it creates jobs. That's number one. So that's a huge one. But what about like parks? What about green spaces? What about affordable housing? There's a So what's going to happen is whatever that number you asked me about first, Zach, when you said, hey, what's the break-even number? Whenever that number comes out, and let's say, hypothetically for this conversation, it's $300 million. Davidson County taxpayers are on the hook for $300 million. Let's just use that number. What then will be decided is how is that being spent and who does it benefit? And that is where the debate's going to come in. Not only is there a debate about the total bill, but there's going to be a debate about who does that investment benefit? And half the city council is going to be very much on the, I don't, why are we spending all this money? This is a lot of spending for no benefit to our community, AKA affordable housing, parks, green spaces, you know, beautification, that kind of stuff. The other half is going to be largely corporate interests that are going to say, no, no, no. Stadium is hugely beneficial to a lot of corporate partnerships. We need development. Tourism dollars matter to the cities and the growth. And, and they're both kind of right. It's just, which side are, are you going to be on? If that number is 500 million, I guarantee you there's a lot more people on the, this doesn't benefit us side of things. Yeah, right. If it's, if it's a hundred million, there's probably a lot more people on the, this definitely benefits us. Right. So that's, that's sort of the dynamic at play. What you need to know about the 700 million. And from what I've been told is roughly, this is an estimate here, roughly 200 million estimated has already sort of been voted on and quote unquote paid for, right? They voted on some legislation about 18 months ago, two years ago or so, give it give or take, that, that was going to reroute some tax dollars to help renovate Nissan Stadium. That's already that's already been voted on and it's already sort of quote unquote approved. So it's already in the budgets. So that doesn't even like of that 700, 200 of it estimated is sort of already been earmarked and sort of taken care of. It's kind of quote unquote off the books, if that makes sense. So we're down to 500 sense. now. So we're down to about roughly, and I think that I think that number that he floated is wildly irresponsible, to be honest with you. Right. Because there's no way to know how much we're going to pay for it, how much is going to be hospitality and tax redirects, how like we don't even know the total cost of the stadium yet. All these are estimates on the on the top end because construction costs and labor costs could change that that bill pretty quickly. 
Um, so that's n- number one is like, you have to understand that some of that's already paid for. So it's not new spending by the city, which is a good thing. Um, then the rest of it is going to be largely driven by rerouting revenue streams that right now don't exist. So if you read an article that says 60% of Buffalo Stadium is public and 62% of Nashville Stadium is public, that's totally disingenuous. You've got to know the differences between public spending that comes out of a budget that affects education and traffic and commerce and trash and like all the things that keep the city going and a budget that creates itself. Does that make sense? Like right. if, you, if you, if you have six hotels and four apartment complexes and 42 restaurants down there, then, and all of that's going to generate its own stream of revenue. That's going to pay for the stadium. If that stuff doesn't exist and you vote it down, well, there's no revenue stream at all. And there's no development and that money doesn't, doesn't affect the budget. So that stuff doesn't really count as quote unquote public spending in my opinion. So yeah, I, I agree with that because I I don't, I don't even think I like the term or the generalization that public spending, I guess really the, the vibe it gives off. Cause to me, when people say public spending, that means, well, the citizens are paying for it in some form of fashion, not that the citizens are paying for it getting beers and listening to songs at Robert Western world, you know, I mean, it's, it, to me, it's about, you know, okay, I'm looking at my tax bill or I'm filing taxes or I see this goes up or this goes up, or I'm having to pay a little bit extra here. That's what it sounds like to me. And, and so that's where that 700 million really jumped out at me when he talked about, because first off the uh, Dave Mandis didn't even follow up on that that little yeah, remark that's, that's, and then nobody on the radio was really talking about it either, don't get me which is started crazy. don't, don't yeah. get me started on 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 interviewing skills in this situation yeah um so so again i just think it's it, it you have to have context behind quote-unquote public as a term there, there needs to be is it new self-generating revenue streams or is it is it coming out of the general obligation budget, which we have set for the city as a certain amount, and that is responsible for all of the things we need to do as a city? And if you come, and yeah, if you come, and don't forget tourism dollars go into right, some right. of this stuff as well. So if if there was a vote for anything over a hundred million dollars to come out of our budget in the city, I bet you it fails. Like I like to me that that's why all these redirects and reroutes and is is how it's going to be so effective and why you can sell it to people. Um, so a couple other questions. What are yeah, I was about to say besides besides money, what right. are the questions that these people of Davidson County need to be asking themselves? So so why is the state coming out first and foremost to put this ahead of and this is a couple of different questions, which is one of them is what what role does the Republican National Convention play in the, in all of this? And and let's just we we know this for a fact that the mayor's office, John Cooper, and the governor's office, Bill Lee, aren't particularly close. Uh, they don't particularly get along. And one of them wants the RNC desperately, Bill Lee. One of them doesn't, John Cooper and the mayor's office. I am assuming that some of the strings that are attached to that $500 million, not only is it need to be location of the stadium, right? Parking lots A through D, a retractable roof, which I think is all smart business by, by Bill Lee and the governor, governor's office. But I'm willing to bet you he wants the mayoral approval and maybe not pushing back on trying to host the RNC. So that that is a, a what are you trying to extract from the city by offering up five hundred million dollars in state revenue? Because you don't just give five hundred million dollars to the city for <laughs> without, without anything attached to it. Um, so you have to think about that. Again, that's just something to think about. Um, the information war on this is fascinating 
the, the, the timing on all these stories coming out, there's a reason all this drip is happening and it's slowly being sort of coming out because obviously negotiations are heavily underway and people want to control the narrative of what's going on. The mayor has an election coming up. The governor wants good publicity and wants to keep the Titans here. Like every one of these stakeholders, the Titans are involved in this too. They, they have a motive to sort of get the right information out at the right time. So just when you see a story and when he, there's a, there's a reason he was on the radio on Friday talking about this, right? I think it's also interesting so. that he was on that station. And yeah. it, of course it blew up because of the Nashville post. Right. But I think it's interesting. My perspective is, is that right now the state and the team are in, are on the same page. Like they are two peas in a pod right now. And I'm not sure right now where John Cooper really lands on the issue. Is he going to be a good soldier and fall in line or is he really going to push it? Because we all know that at one point John Cooper was really against an idea of a stadium of some form of fashion in this city having to pay for it. This is where I'm, this is where it's my favorite stuff. This is my yeah. favorite stuff right here because John, John Cooper, the councilman who was very anti-soccer stadium is, has a different role than John Cooper, the mayor who's who went to battle and sort of fought to get a good, a better stadium deal, even though it was sort of around the edges. He did that. What's, what's interesting to, and if I'm just guessing here uh, from, from again, little birdies, my guess is, is that John Cooper internally, privately inside of his office knows 1000% this is going to happen that they're going to keep this, the Titans, that they're going to build this stadium. Outwardly, he has to look like he is fighting for Nashville. He has to appear that he is doing everything in his power to fight for every citizen in the Nashville-Davidson County area so that he can go into the election season saying, look, I, was, I did everything I can to get the best possible deal for us. And look what happened. I got us a Super Bowl, and we only spent $100 million or, or whatever the number is. So he needs this. There's a clock ticking on this, and he needs it to be wrapped up, finalized, all the details to be done so that when they go into the election season next year, that, that he has it as a, look, guys, I built us a new Titan Stadium. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it for very little dollars to you, the taxpayer, uh, and I'm going to get you a Super Bowl and a Final Four vote for me. It's a pretty good campaign. And a WrestleMania. And a Wrestle. Sorry, I always forget about the WrestleMania. You can't forget about the WrestleMania. They had My the apologies. highest grossing WrestleMania ever. <laughs> just in Dallas this time, uh, over 156,000 tourists from 50 states and 53 countries. So, so the last question here is sort of just what, do, what are the details of the East Bank development as a whole? Again, like, is it going to be a bunch of apartments, a bunch of restaurants, a bunch of hotels, green space? And then who, like, we, like you asked me earlier, who, who cares about what parts of that deal, right? Some people care about the hotels. Some people care about the apartments. Some people care about the parks. Some people care about the restaurants. I think the parks is a very interesting thing I've never really thought of. How does this all affect the greenways in yes. that specific East Nashville area? Yes, because right now it's bizarre how we have this beautiful, awesome East Nashville neighborhood that like runs up to like Fifth Avenue and just stops. Then you've just got like a whole lot of nothing, including an interstate to like a Titan Stadium that's surrounded by a whole lot of nothing north south east and west and then you've got a river and then you've got all this beautiful development downtown so you just have this big chunk of like no man's land between downtown and east nashville and it makes a whole lot of commercial and personal sense to somehow join all of that together to make it all work yeah. together unlock some corridors to make it more 
um, you, you know, f- like you can free flow between the areas. It makes a with Oracle coming. That's a part of this. Who does that benefit? How big is it? How much are we spending on it? What's it going to look like? That's all going to be debated in a public forum before council people go vote on it. So we don't have a lot of the answers for all of this. I said it on yesterday's show, Zach, if you can start this negotiation with 1.5, 1.6 billion in, in funding already in your pocket, if you're John Cooper for a stadium that, that could cost, let's say 2 billion. And all you got to do is figure out how to close that $400 million gap with some public and some tax reroute. I think you're already on the verge of an extraordinary deal for the city of Nashville. And I, I think that's the most important thing. There's a lot right. of questions, but that's the most important thing in my opinion. It'll be interesting to see how this all comes to fruition. It's going to be a fascinating story to follow from a city slash business standpoint. Like for me, I'm looking at from the business side of things where is there really any big dollar amount that's too much to really for the city of Nashville not to bear? Because with so many people coming in, you know, month after month, day after day, year after year, moving to Nashville, it's just going to eat away at any kind of taxpayer load, I feel like, right? I mean, at some point, it just all balances itself out. And it's, I, but I am just, I'm just so fascinated by it. You're fa- I think you're fascinated by oh, the I government side of things, but I'm fascinated by the business side of the aspect. No, it's, it is the, the so if the only thing there's not, there's no story in, in like our world sports or otherwise that combines like media strategy, political strategy, business strategy, and sports strategy all into one story. And that is what stadium building is like my favorite thing in the world. Like it's, <laughs> it's cause it's all of those things. Cause you need messaging strategy, you got an election coming up. You got businesses. You got like, it's just, I love it. I love everything about it. It's like catnip for me. So yes, well, it's, build it. well, ahead. it's funny when you talk about the media side of it, because I'm Googling about Atlanta's Mercedes Benz uh, stadium and the, everything that happened around them building that the numbers and all this stuff. It was all reported mainly in the first Google page is mainly the Miami daily Herald reporting about something going on in Atlanta. Like yeah. it, when yeah. this stadium starts going on, remember everybody was talking about the Raider stadium, SoFi stadium right. in all parts of the world. People are going to be again, talking about Nashville yeah. in all parts of the sports community. Well, there's a former Tennessean reporter that has been tweeting a lot about comparisons between I saw that. Buffalo and Tennessee. And while there are some media folk in this town that have some issues with him, I, I personally don't. But I do think, again, he, he's somebody that tweeted the public numbers next to each other. And I, I said to him, I said, those feel a little you're missing context here with those numbers. But you're right. Every signal market in America is going to be paying attention to what Nashville does. Here's the other difference between Nashville and Buffalo. We're not going to lose the team and we're trying to get a Super Bowl like we're, we're attaching it to development that is not football related. And that is something that is so important to remember that that Buffalo has no chance at. They're, they're not putting a they're, Super Bowl. They're, they're not even putting enough seats in the stadium. Like, what are they right. even thinking? Like, even right, if right. they wanted to come and do, uh, even if they decide to do a dome at some point or, you know, in throughout this process, if you don't have a certain amount of seats inside your stadium, it doesn't even matter if you have a right. dome or a retractable roof. Right. You have to have the seats. What idiots but the city of Buffalo and this whole, I just hate, I hate everything about that. So we'll wrap this up and we'll move on to the quarterback conversation. Cause I think the key here is we're still probably weeks, if not months away from finalized details, but that there are six or seven different places where money is coming from, how that money is going to arrive. And then again, 
how it is messaged. And I think it is incredibly important for media people in this city. And I do not think I heard any of this on Friday. I'm not calling anybody out specifically, but it is important that if you care about this, that you have to go to probably some political sources and some other places to get all the details so that, because I'm not sure, I'm not sure all the sports people in this town are equipped, let's say, to handle all of these details. And it's, so it's a lot of complicated stuff. And we're not going to know those details for probably another couple of weeks or months. So just keep your ear down. I'm assuming there's going to be a pretty constant drip of information coming out over the course of the next five or six weeks. And then all of a sudden, we're all going to wake up one morning. There's going to be a proposal. And then off we go to debate it. <laughs> so, That's good. so there we go. All right. Quarterback conundrum. I'll, I'll just let you go on this. Great article, Broadway Sports Media. This is about the Titans draft strategy as it pertains to a quarterback in the first round of this year's draft, moving up to get their guy, staying in their slot. You did a bunch of research. What did we learn? The biggest thing to, to take away is that as long as the Titans don't draft a guy that's not one of their guys, the Titans can't make a wrong move or, or at this quarterback position. That is the only wrong move at this quarterback position for the Tennessee Titans in this draft is, is settling for a guy you didn't really want. You In a, in a draft, um, I think it was the Matt Ryan, Joe Flacco draft, if I'm not mistaken, weren't they drafted at the same time? It was yeah, something like yes, that. There were, two, yes. there were two quarterbacks that were drafted. Baltimore then, traded up to get Joe Flacco. Yeah, and then there was J.P. Losman, who was <laughs> down there, and he was like, the Bills had traded back, and then the Bills were like, oh, crap, we don't have our quarterback. Let's just draft J.P. Losman. They Nobody really believed <laughs> J.P. Losman at the time. So, to me, that's hang, hang settling. On, hang, hang on. J.P. Losman yeah. was uh, 2004. Okay, so there was, there was two people. Was 08. Okay, was that was uh, Aaron Rod? Wasn't that Aaron Rodgers and Alex Smith's year? Ooh, that could have been 05. But yeah, the point is, is that the point is the point is, is that JP the Bills felt like there was no other option, and they and went they, they up took to get to get JP Rossman. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I believe out of two lane actually. Yeah, you you don't want to be in a position where you settle for a guy that you don't really like, and and the Titans aren't in that position. Let's be very clear. There is an alternative that they walk away from this draft from this draft without a quarterback, and they're okay with it because they'll just figure out what to do with Tannehill at some point this year, right? They're not in a panic now mode. But if they find a guy and they trade up for him or find a guy and he falls to them at 26, they should absolutely draft him because he's their guy. And I think the event what I found the most compelling. When I go and watch the film, and that's what took so long. This this article's been on the in the writer's room for about two weeks now. Cause I've been Ooh, bouncing around this the idea. Writer's room. Doing, I like that. Yeah. I've been doing drafts and I, I I had to figure out how I wanted to, you know, put together my data. Cause you remember I had eleven tiers a couple weeks ago and you <laughs> you, you tear shamed me. Too many you tear shamed me. So I, I it took me a while to figure out what to do. And so I sat down and I watched film, watched games on these guys. I watched 26 games on these top five quarterbacks. And you know what I figured out? There is no QB1, but there's also no QB5. It's time that we get rid of this QB1 kind of archaic system, unless there is a Joe Burrow in the class. When you have a class like this, pigeonholing one of these guys as QB1 doesn't make any sense because everybody, they, they're, this class in particular, they're all so different. In play style. I, I think Bryce Bryce Young next year is QB1, right. period. 
Pey- you know, Peyton Manning, Trevor Lawrence, and even I guess even Peyton's a bad example because there was Ryan Leaf there in, in, as sort of like a QB one A and B. But but to your point, there is no guy that's a clear cut top guy that is the pick that everybody wants. And and that doesn't mean that this draft class sucks. And I think that's the the thing that bothers me is that everybody thinks this draft class is just terrible. The, I mean, this draft class might might as well be Jamarcus Russell and Brady Quinn. And and a bunch of other losers that were in that draft class well, that but, will never amount to anything. But what's fascinating is you bring up Russell and you wrote about it. And Russell at the time was yep. viewed as a clear cut number one. So even some of the classes that have the clear cut number one guy sometimes turn out to be complete garbage. And, and to me, I, I watched the film. I look at these guys and I say, OK, well, I like a lot of different things that Matt Corral does. I love Malik Willis. Those guys don't scream Titans quarterbacks that fit in this system. And 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 I think that Malik Willis is the guy with the highest ceiling out of everybody in this draft class by far. He is so fun to watch. I would murder Todd Downing for Malik Willis on this team if it wow. meant that you let Malik Willis be Malik Willis. Do, you cannot make Malik Willis be Ryan Tannehill. Do I have to submit this to somebody like my I don't therapist think so. or my lawyer or like somebody that like I'm, I'm pretty sure I, it's covered under podcast confidentiality. <laughs> I'm not. A, I'm. I feel like that. What is the thing like where it, you're? If you're with your lawyer, there's lawyer confidentiality until you start committing crimes with your lawyer, yeah. and then you, and then you have to. Then it's not protected anymore. Is that right. what we're at here? Is it? I, I mean, I mean, he's safe because Malik Willis is a cover to the Tennessee Titans. But I think I think your point on this, and I think it's the best point you made in your entire article, which is there's no QB one in this draft that's you that that works for every team but there could be a QB one for your team's structure and system and philosophy. Exactly. And and there could be an elite quarterback out of this draft class that's considered a top 10 quarterback in a few years if he goes to the right place. Listen, that's that's for every year. Let's be honest here. The, Trevor Lawrence was the treated as the second coming of Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck and he had a terrible first year. It's a lot of that's out of his control. Okay? A lot of that's okay. out of his control, but that's what matters, right? What matters is your landing spot. Your landing spot is just as big a deal as the talent of the quarterback in, in that spot. Um, you know, you, you got if you look at Josh Allen and you look at Deshaun Watson, you look at Patrick Mahomes, none of those guys were considered the best quarterback, and they were kind of considered just guys that are projects that eh, then maybe work out. Well, they found homes with teams that loved them and knew that, hey, these guys I can work with, my staff can work with, we can build around them, let them be who they are, and those are three of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and there are certain point in times when they were playing. We, we, you know, I don't need to get into the Deshaun Watson thing. I've, I've talked about with my wife explaining all yeah. the horrible yeah, things yeah, yeah, surrounding yeah. it that I hate. But pre-draft evaluations on those three guys were very similar to a lot of the pre-draft evaluations on these guys. And – I think that, you know, you go and watch the film. I think Sam Howell is the guy that everybody thought he was heading into 2020 before the season even started for the college football season. He is still that guy after the 2021 season. Even watching those games, you saw that guy. And I think Desmond Ritter, he is boring as shit. He's not going to get you. He's not going to rustle your jimmies. You know, he's not going to get you excited, you know, to (laughs) freshen up on. He's like a, he's like, watching netflix at home 
you know, it's hey, not exciting, hey, settle but, down. It, but it that's, gets that's, the job done like, and it's that, good enough. Settle down. That's like my whole life right now. Okay. Just settle down. <laughs> but you know, everybody says that he is Ryan Tannehill. Well, I think he's good Ryan Tannehill coming out of college. So why can't he build on top of that? Because he's a lot better, more polished quarterback than Ryan Tannehill was coming out of Texas A&M by far. And I, I don't know if Desmond Ritter is a starting quarterback in the NFL. I, I think he is. I think people, I think what is wrong with his accuracy can be fixed. I, I don't view it as it can't ever be fixed. And listen, his career accuracy is just as good as Malik Willis. It's just as good. Kenny Pickett's hovering around there as well. Kenny Pickett's a one-year wonder for me. He'd be all right with the Titans, but that's why he's my third kind of choice, I, I guess. What's like, so? I, I think you. I think and, and follow along on the article. Go to the website, check out the article because you kind of named them all. You know, like you kind of gave them a category, which I actually think was really yeah. smart because I do think if you went, <clears throat> excuse me, if you went and drafted Malik Willis or Matt Corral, you would be changing your philosophy to a right. different style of offense, and I think that's what you called Malik Willis. And I agree with you. Malik Willis is clearly the most talented has the most upside and potential of any player in this draft class. Uh, I think that's that's painfully clear. I disagree with that Kenny Pickett wouldn't work in this offense. He does have a little bit of Baker Mayfield to him where he likes to run around a little now, bit. Now, I did say he works in the offense. But, I just think that okay. he's my third choice. I would have like him he's at, the reluctant leftover. To yes, me. I would have him ahead of Ritter, though. I, to, I'm with you on Sam Howell. Everyone who's heard me say anything about college football for the last four years knows I'm obsessed with Sam Howell. So I'm going to stay. I don't even need to. I love Sam Howell. I'm with I'm you. With you. I'm, with you. I, I am, I'm with you. I am. I'm here with you. I am on the Sam. I'm at the church of Sam Howell. <laughs> uh, interesting uh, side note, by the way, Sam Howell's offensive coordinator the last three years was the offensive coordinator for AJ Brown at Ole Miss. Side note. Just want to ah. just want to throw that little nugget in there. Um, that's why you listen to the show, rate, review, subscribe, click all the buttons. Um, so I think I, th I would have Pickett ahead of Ritter and this, sometimes there's some specific reasons why I like Kenny Pickett. Sometimes there's specific reasons why you like a player. I just think Sam Howell's arm is the best arm in the draft from an accuracy and, and strength standpoint. And I think I, his mechanics are so I agree. good. And he's better, way better athlete than people give him credit for. He can run around. I fully agree. Think. So I would, I'm with you on how the, the thing about Ritter for me in this, Unfortunately, this is like what with Hendon Hooker to me. Like I look at Tennessee fans texting me all offseason, like, oh, I'm worried about Hendon Hooker going, going. Oh, he's coming back. He's coming back. And I was like, where was he going? I don't see an NFL quarterback when I watch Hendon Hooker play. I see a really good college quarterback. That is what I see with Desmond Ritter at Cincinnati. I, I see a really good college quarterback. I do not know if I see an NFL player. Whereas I think Kenny Pickett could step into this offense for the Titans and keep it going at pretty much the same clip. And, and if he takes care of the football a little bit better and kind of stands in the pocket and goes through his routines. That's that's the key to me. I, I don't see think Pickett he can good. do those things. I, I don't right. know if 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 I have the faith that he can do the things. And I don't think he does a lot of stuff pre-snap, which I think Desmond Ritter does. It translates really well to the NFL okay. is the recognizing the de defense. But I'm all in on Sam Howell. And I, I think that, if I if you put a gun to my head and said, what quarterback do you absolutely want the Titans to take? They're taking one, but you get to choose. I'm going Sam Howe. Now, you ask Mike Herndon at Mike Miracles, he's going Desmond Ritter. You ask other people, they're going Kenny Pickett. It's That's just what's great about this draft class. I think in five years, we'll still be talking about the quarterbacks in this draft class in some way or okay. another okay. as a case study. I just think I, it's a great case study. No, I think, you're, I think that's the right way to phrase it. It's a case study in sort of evaluation and offensive philosophy and all the different things you've talked about and wrote about in the article. 
I, here's my thing. I know Teron Davenport's big on Desmond Ritter as well. I think the Titans are big on Desmond Ritter. Here's yeah. the difference between all these guys, I think. I think if you want Willis or Pickett, you're going to have to trade up. Right. If, if, if you want Sam Howell, you might be able to get him at 26. It all depends on if the NFL soured on him the way the media soured on him. And I'll be honest, and I don't, I don't think they did. They did. I'm with, you. I, I'm with you. I would be very surprised if people that get paid to do this for a living yep. soured yep. on Sam Hill. Sam Hill, Sam Howe, yep. from going out and watching his no, Clemson tape as a freshman and then all the way down to the last game I watched was Notre Dame in 2021. I, and I saw 2019, 2020, 2021, Sam Howe, they're all the same guy. I'm, yep. I'm telling you right now, they're yep. all the same guy. I, I would I would say you. It, the idea is that hopefully he falls to you at 26 and you can get him without having to move anywhere. I think you can get – if Corral and Ritter is your guy, I think you can actually move back. Now, one final question here. I actually would not want to drop out of the first round. I would want to trade to, like, 32. Because what you want is yep. that fifth year of the contract under a cheap, quote-unquote, cheap rookie contract so that you can do all the things you want around him on the roster before you have to give him the – you know, again, in a perfect scenario, a $200 million contract or whatever. Like, that – the hope is you draft a guy that's good enough for that, Right. And so I think you can get Ritter a little bit later. I think you can get Corral a little bit later. I think Hal's going to be the guy that sneaky moves up boards. And if Pickett's your guy, you got to go up and get him. I think, I think that's my guess. Yeah. The, the thing about this draft in particular um, that is kind of confusing is in, in the situation, you can't go to, you can't go to 32, right? Because sorry, you, yeah. if you, because the Detroit Lions are there. And I'm telling you right now, the Detroit Lions are not taking a quarterback at two. And they're not taking Malik Willis at two, first off. If they're going to take one, it's going to be someone closer to Jared Goff, like Kenny Pickett or that's really Sam Howell, but someone that is more quarterback ready. Like, I feel like Kenny Pickett's the likely choice, but why would they take one at two yeah, when yeah. they already have Jared Goff? If, if I am looking at it from perspective of, okay, the Titans are picking at 26, you could trade back with Green Bay at 28, or you could trade back with Kansas City at 29 or 30 because you know those teams don't need quarterbacks. Cincinnati's still on the table. If there's a offensive tackle or wide receiver or something that these teams need at 26, because really when you look at it, you got Tampa Bay, Green Bay, Kansas City, Kansas City, Cincinnati. They all kind of have similar needs and wants across their rosters, right? They all already have quarterbacks. They a couple of these teams need wide receivers, defensive yep. key pieces, yep. so they may be willing to trade up with with Tennessee to for you to be able to pick up a a low second or a, a high third and still maintain a first round quarterback. I I don't think this is possible, but he, here I think is the perfect scenario. As the draft gets to about 15, 16, 17, and we start to have a better feel for who's available for Pitt, let's say for Pittsburgh at 20, you see you you trade from 26 back to like 42 or whatever the number is, pick up some extra capital. Then you can go back up to 22 or 23 and, and not lose all of the picks from this year's class and still maybe have to go up and get your guy. We've seen and you wrote about this. We've seen John Robinson go back to come back up. He goes backwards to then trade back up. Right. And I and I could see I could see that being an interesting, hey, you know, it's pick 22. We're gonna jump back to 42, but then we're gonna trade up to 28 to get our guy. You know, like and then you add an extra third round pick or something. There there is scenario that Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis, um 
Kenny Pickett and Corral um, and Hal. Yeah. Hal are all gone before 26. There is that yeah. scenario yeah. because quarterbacks are a premium, right? And if that's the case, then you desperately just got to get out of that spot, I think. I think you move back and collect points or collect stuff, especially if Detroit at that point hasn't gotten a quarterback. They're going to want to trade up to get Matt Corral or or one of probably, yeah, Matt Corral, who's the leftover, because if they see that you're there, they're going to be like, well, what if someone else trades up? Yep, yep. What's fascinating, and to your point about the case study thing, I could see all the quarterbacks flying up the board, like you're talking about. Yeah. Just as likely as I could see all of them falling down the board. Yeah. And, and like it's all five so of them, wild. I'm with you, dude. All five of them could be available at like 16. Yeah. And if that you happens, just don't know. the Titans are in great shape to get. Because when you want. really look at it, the top 15 teams don't really have to have a quarterback. Cause technically the giants don't have to have a quarterback yeah. because yeah. Brian Dable can maybe do something with Daniel Jones and he believes in they're like, okay, well let's not worry about it. Yeah. And if, it, if he sucks beyond comprehension, we'll have <laughs> Bryce young or CJ Stroud. The Falcons right, right. are not in a rebuild mode. They're in tear down mode. And that is so important when it comes to drafting a quarterback, because what is the point in drafting Desmond Ritter? If your team's not really built to go anywhere, whether he starts year one and then yeah, you, you yeah. don't have enough players for year two yet. It's just, it's fascinating. I think the Panthers are the most likely candidate to for sure take a quarterback, but man, Kenny Pickett going to reunite with the guy who recruited him from Temple with Matt Rule. Yep. That spells disaster for me. I just think that's an <laughs> utter disaster. You're not a Matt Rule guy, huh? I like I think no. Matt, I like Matt Rule. I think he's a solid coach. Um I think he's I a horrible coach and he is the <laughs> hobbit of Matt. He is hobbit of Adam Gase. Oh, is, that's, it, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> that's funny. Um all right. Well, there's a lot of quarterback stuff there. We obviously have a couple more weeks to debate all this. Make sure you're reading uh, Broadway Sports Media and make sure you're tuned in, of course, to the Football and Other Efforts podcast where you guys are going to, um, I guess it's like fan porn. Is that what it is? Like fan Twitter porn for AJ Brown you guys are going to debate? Before yeah, we, uh, fan fiction. Fan fiction. There you go. <laughs> Sorry. I was just, my head was somewhere else, Zach. I can't imagine. Um, so so here's the, the final little question for you. Speaking of fans, because Vanderbilt and Tennessee baseball, I was at the game over the weekend. It was perfect weather. Tennessee gets the sweep. It is developing, in my opinion, into one of the great in-state rivalries. I think it's one of the best rivalries that's come out of nowhere in the last two years in all of college baseball as a as a big college baseball fan. I know not a lot of people care about it, but I do. And I just love the cultural animosity between the highbrow, pinkies-up, tuxedo-wearing, martini-drinking, James Bond, Vanderbilt people and the Chevy driving, natty light, keg drinking, mullet losing, kick in the back door. We have no clue how to act because we've never been to this party before Tennessee. And it's like their socioeconomic culture war on display on a baseball field. And I think it's fucking awesome. I love it. I love everything about it. I love both sides. I loved how Twitter, like, you know, Vandy fans are acting like it's no big deal. Right. right. It's clearly it, a big but, deal. But they're all in, the, they're all in each other. They're all in the mentions. Like if it's not a big deal, you just don't comment. Yes. If it's the, you're in my mentions right now, which yeah. means it's a big deal to you, which means it's important, which means you're proving my point. So, right. I love everything about this. Not just, I love the Vandy side of it. I love the Tennessee side of it. Vanderbilt is really good because of who they are. And Tennessee hates them for that. Tennessee's really good because of who they are. And Vanderbilt hates them for that. And they're both very different and they represent their fan bases, like literally in how they play the game of baseball. I think it's wonderful. I think it's awesome. I'm here for the petty. I love everything about it. it. I'm with you. My my question is after Jim Irsay's comments 
and and the Titans, we know they're sort of this new fan base in less than 25 years. And, you know, the Predators have a little bit of a rivalry with Chicago and you play playoff series with St. Louis or Anaheim and you build a rivalry. I know the Ravens thing has always been there for us as as a city with the Titans, but I really think there needs to be something more. Like, I think that the Colts, because so many people in Tennessee loved Peyton Manning, I think it stopped the Colts rivalry from developing into what it could be today. And I think hopefully we're going to start to see the animosity and the, and the, like the vitriol build between the Colts and the Titans. Is that the number one like possibility for a deeply rooted hated rival for the Titans? I think it's the easiest path because right now this is the first time in a long time. And I think this helps the rivalry where both teams are actually can compete with each other. When you get into a point where you're 11 and 0 against Andrew Luck or whatever the number was, it's not a rivalry anymore. It's like the, you know, uh, Cleveland Browns or the Cincinnati Bengals trying to say that they're the Steelers or the Ravens big rival. No, you guys aren't even, maybe you're getting there now, but for the longest time it was Raven Steelers or the big rivals. They're the ones who hate each other in that division and, and all this stuff, because you got to have competition. You can't go on this big, long losing streak because Part of it is being able to talk shit to each other, right? To be, you can't talk shit yeah. if you're the one always losing. I mean, you can. You just I, I are think gonna... it, I think in the NFL and professional sports, they have the teams need to be good. Yeah, I think. I, I think in college, it's different because you have right. literal proximity. Like Nashville is a Tennessee Volunteers market. Yeah, like it is full of Tennessee Volunteers fans living in and amongst Vanderbilt fans. Like I think college is like I don't think you have to be competitive on the field to have a really great college rivalry. I think you kind of do in the, in the pro levels. I, I think you sort of do because I got in this discussion with Austin Stanley, the first time we've ever interacted with each other. Uh, I think I was on a to Z or maybe I was on Buck show four years ago. And I, he said that, well, you know, what, what do you think about the UT Alabama rivalry? I said, well, rivalry. I said, you guys aren't even on our radar. I mean, Auburn is a rivalry. Iron Bowl's a rivalry. You guys aren't even relevant in the in the football world at, at the time that we had this conversation. Right, right. Uh, so you're you're not even on the radar. So like to me, I think it can't it needs to be a factor a little bit, but you get a little bit of a leeway, a little bit of a time frame because of historical proc and proximity right. and the history right. behind it runs a little bit deeper. I'm I'm here for Buffalo Bills rivalry. You got the Music City okay. Miracle. Okay. The fans love talking shit and visiting Nashville. They they okay. always talk shit to us. We talk shit to them. I, I think that there is a budding rivalry here for Buffalo Bills to be. Okay. And they're both very good. So I think this is a it's something we all need to be in on is trashing the Buffalo Bills as much as possible. It, it is really important. You don't have to necessarily be even competitively, but you do have to play in postseason games. For to, to build history like that in the and regular season games too because they yeah. they're playing regular season games they're yeah. going to be playing again this year yeah. uh but they're, they're all what four or five years running now and what might help the titans in developing some of these rivalries because ran like the ravens thing is actually quite random to be honest right like it just yeah. it just sort of like there it's, was... it's eddie george and ray lewis like that that is where the rivalry stems from and that's a great starting point but it, it's petered right. out I just, it's petered out. It's very random to me that like three of the last nine playoff games were between the Ravens and the Titans, like, or, or whatever yeah. the number is like that to me, that's just sort of a random occurrence. 
Um, and there's been really big games, right? We go up there and upset them. They come down here and upset us and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I think that's interesting. I think one thing that will help the Titans develop these rivalries is what you just said about Buffalo fans. And that's all fans. All fans are going to want to come here. And if coming here is, it ends up with a bunch of fans hung over and sad at BNA on Monday morning, like that's going to build animosity because Titans fans are going to like, I, I want a camera at, 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 at BNA on Sunday mornings after a big takeover Steelers, Bills, Packers, you know, whatever chiefs, they come in here and they get beat. I need a, I need a live cam shot of, yep. of like the Southwest concourse. <laughs> at BNA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I need it. I want it. I love it. You need, you want some more of it. Uh, all right, Zach, what, where the website, the, the pod, the Twitter feed, what you got, man, tell everybody. Broadwaysportsmedia.com football and other F words is the podcast at football or at F words pod. And you our podcast is everywhere. And you know, what's good is that we're in the middle of draft season. I already got a, the quarterback conundrum, which is up. I'm going to do your favorite thing. And I'm going to, I'm going to do a mock draft Brady. Oh God. But listen, it's a, it's different because it's a multiverse look in. I look at three different timelines for the Tennessee Titans if they were to take a quarterback. If they were to trade up for a quarterback, stick and pick and trade back and get okay. the quarterback that they right. want. So something a little bit different other than, oh, I like this player. I'm going to put him here, even though he's <laughs> probably not going to be there, which right. is usually what you get in mock drafts from, uh, surrounding the Tennessee Titans. Derek Stingley at 26. I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I'm also going to do this thing called two-tone blue chip players which are prospects in this draft class that just scream <laughs> Titans culture. Okay. Cole, or okay. Cole Strange. Yeah, Cole Strange is one of those guys. Like, he just screams okay. a Titans player. You know who screams Titans culture? Uh, Zion Johnson. <laughs> yes, he was. On, he's on my list. Desmond Ritter's on my list. Screamed. A couple of different guys. So make sure you're checking out the website, broadwaysportsmedia.com. Of course, football and other F-words, at F-words pod, all that great stuff. You can get to me at Braden Gall. Buildkg.com is the website for the Kingston Group, our title sponsor. On the 440, if you own a home in Nashville, you need to be talking to them. They'll give you great information and insight onto how to manage major financial decisions that you're going to be making with your house. The quarterback conundrum, the stadium information, fandom, A.J. Brown, all that great stuff today on the show. Excellent job, Zach. Always a pleasure to hang out with you. For Zach, my name is Braden Gall. Thank you guys all for listening. This has been the 440 for Tuesday, April 5th.